a treat today. We've got a, a couple bringing the word. So we've got the Kimbrels, Ben and Kim. So uh, if you'll welcome them up. Yes, I'm live. Good morning. Well, welcome. Um, yeah, so my name is Ben. This and I'm is, Kim. Yep, we are married. We've been married for a while now, 18 years. I mean, today's our anniversary. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, we could have been at a hotel, okay? So we've decided. We're here with you guys. Out of the love of our hearts. There's some love, okay? We'll be here for you guys. So, um, now we're, we, uh, we obviously been married a while, but you know, there's plenty of experts out here, and we just want to share some, some things that we have learned as we've gone through marriage. And we're going to be talking about expectations. So that we're in a series about marriage, um, talking about expectations. Um, Chris did a great job of, of kind of a flyby overview of marriage last week. And uh, one of the things he talked about was um, he talked about ships in a fleet and how as they sail together, if your ship is not in order... Um, it can run into other ships. You know, this is a C.S. Lewis thing. And I thought it was really good because it's, it's, it's all about the impact we have on each other. And our marriages are the most closest relationship that we have. And, and we impact each other with the things that we expect. And, and also, not only is it our expectations, but it's the, the burden of those expectations on each other. Um, just a funny story about expectations. So we have three kids. Um, their ages now are 15, 14, and 12, okay? Mm-hmm. And when our kids were little, they were obviously, they're close together, right? So it was kind of crazy. And we got started pretty quick when we got married. So we didn't have, Kevin, Kevin was saying, a worship leader Kevin was saying he was married for like six years. Yeah. We, we got started like year one or year yeah, two. Yeah, Ellie's going to be 16 soon, so. Yeah, year yeah two. eight, and we've been married 18 years. So uh, we would be on these road trips, you know, like on a vacation or like a journey that we, you know, was, was going to take some time. And we would get it all settled and squared away, and we'd, like, have the devices for each kid, and we'd have, like, you know, maybe some craft or something, and we're like, all right, we're going to be set, we're going to be good, we're not going to have to worry about, like, we'll have at least some time to each other, you know, to talk as husband and wife during this eight-hour road trip. And it would work out where that did not happen, you know. Um, always somebody crying. Us, you know, it was chaos at home. Yeah. It was chaos in the car. It was talking, constant questions at home, and that followed us into the car. And we created this little thing with each other. It was kind of a jab at first, and it was, we would say, this is it, honey. Like, this is it. You know, you've been waiting for this vacation. Yeah. Here we Here are. And it's funny because it kind of became like our little motto, and it actually became more serious later. It was like our way of saying, hey, like, don't check out. Like, I know this isn't what you expected, and this wasn't what you hoped for in a vacation. Yeah, but this is, this is it. Like, this is what we got to work with. So yeah. <laughs> our expectations are something that we carry into our lives in, with our kids, with, and obviously, especially as we're talking today about our marriages. Um, and, it, and it's something that can impact us. And it's funny because, you know, in that car, we have five of us, and we all had something different that we were expecting out of this vacation. Um, and that's what we bring to the table when we're talking, you know, today we're going to be talking about marriage. So let's take a second, let's pray, and then we'll, we'll kind of dive in. Um, oh, also, just kudos to us. I just want you to think we, we had to do this together. So we're going to oh be collaborating <laughs> together. And we were like, that's not hard. That This is going to be easy. <laughs> it's, it's a lot harder than I thought. So come on, give us some give success. Us some, yeah. we've, we've made it through. 
All right, so let's pray. All right, Father God, we just thank you for today. Uh, we thank you so much for your presence. Lord, we thank you for worship today. Uh, we invite your presence over this teaching. God, Lord, open our heart and our ears, Lord, to hear uh, what your words are, not what Kim's words or my words are, but what your words are to speak to marriages today. Um, and just open us up, God. Plant seeds, God, that will be fruitful and healthy, uh, that will cause us to be able to mature as husband and wife, uh, that will help us along the path. Um, God, to, to, to have vibrant, healthy, life-giving marriages, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yes, so none of you think we're experts. We learned about our own expectations as we were crafting that's right, that's this right. message because it's everywhere. I mean, in everything you do, you know, we all bring something um, to that situation that we expect. So let's just get on the same page and look at a definition. What is an, expecta what is an expectation? It is a belief that is centered on the future, and it may or may not be realistic. In fact, if it doesn't turn out the way that you want it to, you're going to be disappointed, right? Sometimes we're not even aware that we have an expectation until it doesn't happen, right? You guys right. relate on that until we're let down. So basically, an expectation is putting your hope in a person or a thing to give you something that you want. And there's nothing wrong with having hope. In fact, Jesus wants to give us hope, and he often will use people like our spouse to fulfill our desires and our, our hopes and dreams. But the thing that we need to ask ourselves is, where is the hope? Is it in this person? Is it in this thing? Or is it in the Lord? So that's the question that we want to really unpack today. And here's the important point you're going to hear us say this over and over again. This is kind of like the thesis statement. Your spouse is a resource, whereas the Lord is the source, meaning your spouse is, is just that. They're not the end-all, be-all for all your answers, for all your problems, the answer to all your problems. It's the Lord. He is the source. So putting our hopes in people can even like have this byproduct of making us into a consumer, if you think about it. It's like we're treating our spouse kind of like we treat you know, something like a phone, like, hey, this isn't really work. This isn't giving me what I really want anymore. I'm kind of, you know, disappointed now. Like, why aren't they... Upgrade the model, right? Yeah. yeah, why aren't they giving me what I want? In fact, if any of y'all have read the book or know, heard of the book, The Meaning of Marriage by Tim Keller, this is a great book. He unpacks this whole idea of consumerism. It's like, ouch, this hurts. That he says, you know, we treat marriage like a consumer. And the reasons why we get married today are very different than the reasons why we used to get married a long time ago. We have this quote from the book. Um, it says, marriage used to be a public institution for the common good, and now it's a private arrangement for the satisfaction of the individual. Marriage used to be about us, but now it's about me. So the reasons why people get married over the years have, have really changed. And like I said, today it's like, what am I going to get out of it? How is this person going to meet my needs? Will, our, will, will his personality match with my personality? You know, what do I get out of it? We rarely, you know, think about, well, you know, I'm going to have to change too, or I might have to meet their needs in a way. We think just like I've got this long list of things that I want, and we don't really expect that we're going to have to change, right? Or more, more than that, it's like, you should accept me for exactly who I am without any problem. You know, we just we kind of go into it like that. 
So let's, let's just throw out some ideas here. What are some common expectations that people bring into marriage? See if you can relate to any of these. And I'll just tell you right up front, some of these may feel a little like offensive because they're too traditional. But I love the way Chris said last week, you know, we, we are influenced by our culture. And even if you feel like, oh, no, I, I don't hold on to that anymore. I mean, you're reacting to that, right? So in a way, you are still being influenced yeah, we're, by... Or our family, our parents. I mean, we bring a lot of things to the table that we yep. don't even realize that are coming from our, our history. So. Mm-hmm. so here's some, like, one, ones for women. What about this? Men, you should kill the bugs. You should take out the trash, deal with all the dirty things, all the broken things. Boom. Something needs to be fixed. You're the one. I mean, we're just, you know, it's your job, right? Change the tires, mow the lawn. I know there's probably some ladies out here who like to mow the lawn. Is that, are there any? Oh, okay, we have one. All right. <laughs> so it looks like in general we are expecting the men to mow the lawn. Okay. How about communicating? Ladies, when did you realize with that boyfriend easy, or, easy or your husband, like they just do not communicate the same way. We just know, we know like when to listen, when to add a little bit of advice, when to sympathize with a story of your own. It just doesn't happen with men that way, does it? Or how about this? Like surely the person I marry no is going to have the same opinion on these really important things in life, right? Like we're going to have kids, right? I mean, we're going to have this number of kids. Absolutely. And we're going to school them this way. And we're going to, oh, we're going to bring that baby into bed when he, I mean, of course we are. Right? Oh, my gosh. We don't have, we're on the same page. We're soulmates. We're supposed to believe the same things about everything. That's right. Right? We're like, marriage should complete me. I mean, this is like the love of my life, you know? Like, they should, like, complete me and all those things that were wrong with my life or me. Mm. Should solve all my problems. How about this one? We just don't think about sex the same way. Uh-oh. I mean, is that... Can I get an amen? Like, Somebody said it. Yeah, I mean... All right, so let's go to the guys, okay? So, yes, we do not think about sex in the same way, do we? Um, maybe you expected... You know, young men out there, you expect when you got married that you wouldn't struggle with sexual temptation in the same way. Um, and it's honestly, it's not, it's, it's not exactly a done deal when you get married, is it? Um, maybe you expected that your spouse and you would enjoy the same things, same hobbies, maybe the things that you enjoyed when you first got married. And you found out that as you've developed, as you've been married for a while, you've developed different interests. Those expectations have to kind of shift. What about the, the romance? You know, we, we kind of get dictated by our culture this is what it's supposed to look like. We're supposed to be always in love. We're supposed to always be just all about each other and passionate. And, um, and those, those expectations that we bring in just from our culture, we're like, ooh, you know, we don't feel that way today. We don't feel like this month or this year, you know, how does that work? Uh, what about your theology? This is a big one. Um, you know, your theology is something that you usually are on the same page with typically when you get married, not always. Um, but then life happens, you know, life happens to us in different ways and it affects us differently. And, and, you know, even Kim, like she reads books that I don't read, you know, and she's telling me things I haven't heard. And, and we're having to, to kind of adjust as we get married and figure out what do we believe? And it's not what we used to. And, you know, those expectations change. 
And then, okay, I'll go there too. Okay, so did you expect that your wife would, you know, like do the cooking or the laundry? Maybe be the main parent. <laughs> Thank you, Gary. I knew I could trust in you. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't know about you guys, men, but the family calendar. Um, my wife is the family calendar. A lot of times, I'm, like somebody would be like, "Hey, dude, you want to go out on Friday?" And I'm like, "That sounds awesome." Wait, let me call my wife. Hey, Kim. Yeah. What oh, am yeah. I doing on Saturday? Oh, you're going to a wedding. Oh, dang. Okay, no, bro. I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. So you know that that's something that you know it's kind of just just a natural like way that it kind of fell out for us. You know, maybe at the end of the day, you just expected that your wife wouldn't change. There's an Einstein quote that's really funny that says. Women marry men hoping that they will change. Men marry women hoping they will not. Um, and each is inevitably disappointed. Um, but I think, you know, there's these expectations that really sneak up on us. Uh, for instance, men, you, <laughs> this is a bad one, okay? Just, this is just a red flag I'm going to put out there for you guys to think about. If you say something like, kids, let's help mom with the dishes. Mm, men, don't ever say, do you need me to watch the kids for you? I mean... They're your kids too, right? Yeah. It's like, whose kids yeah, are they? Are kids they are your they? kids, honey, or are they our kids? It's a shared thing, right? Like, they're, they're both of our kids. I think it's easy to, you know, spot expectations in marriage when they're things that we continually get frustrated about. So you'll find that you're hitting up against the same, especially folks that have been married for several years or longer, you, you realize you have that same argument that just comes up over and over, and you're like, dang, why do we keep bumping up against the same old, um, same old problem? Those, those are red flags. You know, those are places that can be expectations that are disappointed. And they can range from, like, you know, minor inconveniences to, like, crushing resentments. Um, an example of, like, just a minor one, okay? So all my examples are cleaning. I don't know what that mm. says about me, but mm -hmm. okay, so... Minor expectation. Um, so when we got married, we did premarital counseling. I don't know if anybody else did. Pre anybody else do premarital counseling? Okay, good, good. That, that makes me feel a little bit better. Um, and we had these little workbooks, and I mean, we were like doing it. We were doing the stuff, and it had roles and expectations. And there was a little spot for you know putting in, okay, like what do you think you should be doing, and like what is she gonna do? And and I was like, you know what? Because, of course, I'm, I'm ready and rearing. I'm getting married. And I'm like, I'll do the, the cleaning, the bathrooms. Like, that's mm. it's on me. I'm, I'm going to take care of that. When I saw that, I was so happy. Because I don't like cleaning, and I especially do not like cleaning bathrooms. That's true. So when he wrote that down, I was like, yes, yes. And, I mean, I, I thought that was my expectation. All right, but fast forward, like, 17 years, 18 years. You know, I'm, like, walking around the house. I'm like, honey. It's looking rough in here. Like, what are we going to do about this? And I'm like, why don't you clean it? I mean, you said you were going to clean the bathrooms. And I'm like, wait a second. Like, this is, I did not realize that this binder no, I is. signed was like a legally I brought it, I binding contract. You signed it. You said you would clean the bathrooms. It's a joke, but it's true. This happens regularly. I'm like, you Like, it's time. It. Like, I'm going to be going home probably this weekend. I gotta, I'm going to have to clean, clean the bathrooms. the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And so, all right, so minor, right? It didn't really, it's not really a game changer for us. We're like, yeah, okay, really? Like, bat oh, still bathrooms? Okay, fine. But uh, another example, okay, so more, a little bit more serious, for, at least for me. Um, back to cleaning. Yeah, it was still cleaning. <laughs> still cleaning. Um, I guess I'm a bit of a perfectionist. I really like clean, okay? I like order. I like, you know, you don't always know it by coming to our house. But um, 
you know, the clean environment helps me with stress, okay? So some days I'd, I'd go to work, I'd come home, and, like, things were, things were bad at work, you know? Things were stressful, you know? And I'm, I'm coming home thinking, oh, like, I'll just really, like, chill, relax, like, it'll be clean, it'll be nice, and, and especially when our kids were little, you know, like, things could be just a wreck. And, um, and I, I would take it out on Kim, you know? I'd be like, what's going on? Like, why is, you know, what, what have you been doing all day? <laughs> Don't ever say that. Don't ever say that. Don't ever say that. And, uh, and I, I had to take a step back, obviously. And what I realized was I started to kind of think about what is, what is going on underneath? Because there are some days I come home and things were just as crazy and mad and it didn't really bother me, right? But today, especially because of work or because of whatever. And, you know, like, I'm, I'm asking why, you know? And I'm starting to realize, like, listen, I, I'm looking for peace. I'm looking for safety. I'm looking for a refuge to come home to. And ultimately, guess what? I'm expecting Kim to provide that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think once I realized that that's what I was looking for, I started going, well, well, that's not fair to Kim. Like, that's, that's not her job. Her job is not to be that for me. Like, whose job is that? Like, that's, that's ultimately God's, mm-hmm. God's job. Now, as you all know, I already told you I don't like cleaning. So when I'm stressed out, when I have a hard day, for me, what says total acceptance and love and support is no pressure. You do not have to clean today. You know, for me, that is what I would like to hear. That's what the situation I would like to be. So we're both coming to that same thing, you know, wanting that same security, that that peaceful feeling, but we're, we're expecting something different. like a perfect storm because for her, like, you know, my stress says clean more and her stress says mm-hmm. clean less. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, yeah. and so that's kind of where we ended up in that, you know, and, um, okay. So scripture, bringing it back to the, to the, to the Bible here, Proverbs eighteen ten, it says that the name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. And I, I want to take us back to the idea of hope. Uh, when we try to throw our hope on, you know, those deeper emotional needs and we put it on our spouse, even in the best of circumstances, we're going to be disappointed. You know, at some point, we're going to be disappointed. And I want you guys to take this away. If you don't glean anything else from our, our talk today, that uh, God is our source. And then people, like our spouse, um, they can be used to meet God's needs in our lives, right? But they are resources. They are not the source And I think that we really need to take that home with us and think about how we treat those things and what it is that we're really looking to and not always aware, but what are we looking to from our spouse for um, our expectations? There's a quote by Tim Keller that actually Chris, I think, has used before. Idolatry means turning a good thing into an ultimate thing. And a lot of times um, our idol is our spouse. You know, we we look to them for things. We're hoping for them to do something for us that we know we can't. And because they're our biggest ally, our biggest friend, our biggest support, they're the ones that we're saying, you got to do this. I need you. And, um, and I think that that's where we get off. Um, the Bible calls Jesus our living hope. We actually sang this today in the scripture that we had up there. We're going to read again. It's from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. 
So Peter's talking about this idea of uh, a living hope, and what does he mean by that? Well, um, thankfully, it's not just your ordinary, everyday hope. Um, it's not wishful thinking. It's not the kind of hope that leads us to disappointment like we so often have in life and different things that we, we kind of hope in. The Greek term for hope in this um, passage actually means an eager, confident expectation. Um, and this hope is in a real person. It's in Christ, you know, who rose from the dead. He's still present in our lives um, at this very minute. And that's why it's called the living hope. And um, I think it's really important for us to realize when we set our hope on those around us, we've settled for something lesser. Um, ones and, and things that are going to ultimately disappoint us and they're not our true source. So I think that the tricky thing about all this that we're talking about is it's easy for us not even to be aware that we're setting our hope on our spouse for things. We wouldn't probably automatically think that. Um, it takes some work. It takes some time to kind of peel back our feelings and the things that we're thinking about. Um, but if you feel like you're running into the same problem, like I said earlier, if, you, if you're running into the same problem over and over and that flag keeps going up, you know, it's a good place to start. Yeah, so does this mean that we should never have any expectations on our spouse? What about if they're doing something that's actually sinful or unwise or, you know, worse yet, abusive? No, there's definitely a place to call your spouse to account for times where you feel like they are in the wrong. And that is where another aspect of marriage comes in is communication. You know, talking things through and even bringing in outside support um, can be very helpful, like professional support, a counselor. Um, but today, you know, the things that we're trying to really touch on are those things that are more minor. And the encouragement here is that even if you feel like, hey, you know, my spouse is really kind of falling short in this area, or this is hurtful or unfair, um, that God is there with you. He's there to encourage you. He doesn't ever leave you. Remember, he's your source. And that in every argument or disagreement or thing that comes up, you know, repeatedly, we both play a role in that, don't we? I mean, every disagreement has two sides. So even if you feel like they're in the wrong, there's a part that you can control that you probably have an expectation about too. So I wanna share a little story about how that kind of played out in our lives. Uh, before we even got married, when we were just kind of getting serious, I actually lived in England and I worked with a missionary organization over there and Ben came one summer to visit me for about a month. And during that time, one of my friends was getting married and so she lived, her home village was like four hours away. So we borrowed a car, we drove over there, we went it's to It's important detail, four hours away. Wedding, yeah, it'll come, it'll come up in a minute, again. So we borrowed a car and went there, and just as we Borrowed were, a car, another important detail. Just as we were wrapping up the wedding, I realized that I lost the key. I mean, this is a big, this is stressful, I know, I get it. But I could tell he was very irritated at me, okay? Um, very irritated. And it was a four-hour drive. The, the spare key was back at the Available missionary base. Available back at the base. Four hours four away. Four hours away. Um, so we borrowed another car. <laughs> Anybody who's missionary knows, you will get like all this, this great stuff thrown do, at you yeah. because you, I don't know, the Lord provides. But anyway, we drove back to the missionary base. And I mean, it was tense. You know, it was, we had just, like I said, it was just kind of new in the relationship. So I knew, like, oh, he's not happy with me, and I just wanted it to go away. You know, I wanted to just get out of the situation, and um, don't worry about it. I'm going to handle it. You know, I don't, 
I don't want to put you out anymore. And so I got the key. I don't know why I felt necessarily like I had to go right away. Cause we it was don't like, know why. We got home. It was like the end of the day, right? I'm like, no, I'm going to make an all-nighter. I'm going to go overnight. I'm going to go get that car, and I'm going to come back. And you just go to bed. You go to sleep. Have a great night, and I'll be back, you know? And that's what I did. I basically left, drove four hours, and then took a short little nap, turned around, and I got home around 8 a.m., just when he was waking up. And... Um, now, just so y'all know, we weren't like living in one house or together. This was like at a missionary base, just, right. just to clarify that. Anyway, um, in case you were wondering. <clears throat> yes. So I had had some time. I had had eight hours to think about this thing and for my emotions to catch up because that's kind of a weakness of mine, not really knowing how I feel immediately. And I was like, I'm kind of irritated too. Like, you know... I wanted him to insist, no, yeah. no, no, let me come with you. Don't do that on your own. Are you kidding me? Driving for eight hours through the night by yourself? Oh, no. Okay, yeah. Let's face it. Like, men, like, it was, a, it was a mistake. It was a big mistake on my part. All I can say is that I was in a foreign country. It was the first time I'd ever left the country. I'm going to stop there. But, um, yeah, so after I, you know, woke up refreshed and Kim was <laughs> there for worship, I think, the next morning, we had a talk, um, as you can imagine, and I realized that it was it was not good. It was a it was a bad, bad thing. It was a bad bad thing. <laughs> um, and it, you know I, what I realized was she had these expectations of hey, like I, I'm I'm hoping that you're going to be the guy who supports me when I make make a mistake, make a bad decision, and and are you going to be there for me when I need you? And so. It was a sore spot with us. And honestly, what was interesting is this came back to us. So we get married. Years later, these conversations based on this thing that happened in our marriage came back year after year after year. And we had these instances where, uh, you know, it was kind of like another situation of, are you going to support me? Are you going to criticize me? Or, or are you going to be there when I need you? And, you know, I even developed what I, I felt like was a spidey sense, you know, like, you know, she would tell me something and I knew like, it's probably not really exactly what she means. Like I'm supposed to be doing something I need to be doing. And I would even like, we'd, we'd talk about the, the keys. We'd be like, we'd say, we'd say the key, the car keys. I'd be like, listen, I'm not leaving you to go get those car keys again. Okay. Yeah. We're doing this together. And, yeah. and it, because it was just this place of like, I was a little bit resentful of like not wanting to let her down, mm -hmm. but also afraid of, of disappointing her. Mm -hmm. you know? And we share that story to illustrate that there really are two sides. You know, even when you feel like that other person was wrong and it's so easy to just focus on that part of it. Honestly, I had an expectation and this is, it's taken me years, but I've come to realize that that is something that is a thread that runs throughout my life. You know, this expectation that people are going to be there for me. A true friend is going to like be there through thick and thin. And, you know, of course my spouse of all people should be that way. Right. But the truth is that I'm bringing that into every situation and that is unfair. I mean, people just can't be 100% all the time on point, you know, like they're going to fail you. They're going to let you down because they're human. And that is something that I need to also realize and take to God and say, Lord, you know, you're the only one who is going to be that 100% faithful friend to me. Never leave me, never fail. And I shouldn't be expecting that other people will do that because that's essentially was me putting a burden, you know, on, on him that down the line turned into a, an issue. So 
It's kind of why we wanted to bring up that story, just to show you. And I wonder if maybe you guys think of things that are, you know, these little things that happen in your marriage, kind of like the cleaning does to us, you know, and what are the two sides? You know, usually each person is bringing an expectation into right. that conflict. So hopefully, you know, you've been hearing us say this, this idea over and over that it's God who has to be your one true source, your one true, you know, person that you go to. But, I mean, let's be honest, it is so hard to do that, isn't it? I mean, God is invisible. And here you have a physical person, you know? It is so hard, even though we may know that in our minds. And we may even say we believe it. I mean, honestly... We're here on earth, we're in the thick of it, you know, day in, day out. You know, it's our spouse that it's so easy to look to and expect, you know, that they're going to fulfill that. And it gets complicated, too, when you add into that, that actually your spouse is a good gift that God gives you to provide those needs. And so you have to really be discerning, you know, and usually it can come up in conflict is when it can be something that you're, you become aware of. But the reason why, even though God is invisible, and we know this is challenging, the reason why that we can put God first over our spouse is because of the kind of love that God loves us with. Let me explain to you a little bit what I mean by that. Imagine you're in this situation. Put yourself in this situation. Your spouse says to you, you know what? I actually love someone else more. I don't want to be with you anymore. I mean, basically, that is what we are saying to God when we put other people above our love for him. That's essentially the same thing. How would you respond in that moment? I mean, just the crushing feeling that that gives you. But you know what? In, in the situation that we put God in or we put other things above him, he just stays right there by our side faithfully, day in, day out, open heart, ready to forgive, ready to receive us back when we choose him. Isn't that amazing? That is the love that God has for us that no human being can do. No human being. I don't know about you, but I can tell you my response would not be that if Ben said that to me. And so the fact that God loves us with that kind of love, that wins us over. That is the, that's the gospel his love for us is that intense, is that all-consuming, is that powerful, that we can put him first. And even if it's going to be a lifelong struggle, because I know it's hard, it feels for me at least, it's one thing after another, you know, oh God, there I go, I'm going off again, you know, trying to put you back first. And that is, that's life on this earth, you know, but that is how we can do it because of his great love for us. I love this verse from Psalm 49, 7 through 9. It says, no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. No man can ransom another. And to me, that means that marriage, even in its best, on its best days, Ben cannot save me. He can't redeem me. He can't heal any of the past wounds or things that I bring into marriage that I thought maybe he would because I thought marriage will make all my problems go away. I really thought that. <laughs> Honestly, I did. I thought getting a new family would just erase all that old stuff. Yep. Nope. No man can ransom another. And the prophet Jeremiah talks about what it's like when we look to people as our source. 
He describes it as if we're going to a broken cistern for living water. In Jeremiah 2.13, it says, For my people have committed two evils. They forsake me, the fountain of living water, and have hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Because when we put God-sized expectations on our spouse, essentially what we're saying is, you be life to me here. As much as I need, whenever I need it, I'm going to draw from you for this. But the problem is people are flawed, right? They run dry. They burn out. They're broken, just like we are. They're the same. And so we need something that is not. And the only one is Jesus, the living hope. He doesn't dry out. He doesn't burn out because he has conquered death. He rose. Again, he's the only living hope that we have. That's right. Well, we're going to kind of start to wrap it up, and I want to encourage you guys with the statement that we kind of said at the very beginning about our kids and about, you know, basically, this is it. And let's apply that to our marriage. In some ways, it's kind of funny. It's like, all right, you and me, we're locked in. Like, mm-hmm. this is it. This is it. You know, like, this is what we got to work with here. Um, but also to encourage you guys to just engage, you know, don't drop out. You know, it, it does take work to keep marriage healthy, to keep it strong. And it's funny that, you know, for people who are single, it seems kind of like, I think that that, that statement doesn't make sense. But as you get married and you realize you got to keep talking, you got to keep working through things. You're not the same. You don't come down on the same issues in the same ways. Your expectations are different. Um, uh, some people might say to me, well, Ben, are, are you trying to say, like, I need to lower my standards? Yes, yes, you do. <laughs> that is what we are saying. If you haven't gotten it yet, you know, lower your standards, begin to... Take your things and put them on the Lord. Um, And the funny thing is, ironically, guys, when we take pressure off of our spouse to be that person, to do this thing, to be that kind of, they actually can become more of a help to us in that area. Um, And I mean, like, we don't don't fake them out and, like, reverse psychology (laughs) on them. But but that's, that's the idea. Like, when we start to put our hope and our expectations on God and we don't sit there and say, you got to do this for me then they're freed up. And you know what? They love you. They want to do those things for you. And so I think it works out really well when we begin to learn how to do that in our lives. But let's look at a couple of things as we, as we get done here of how can we apply this in our marriage. Also, by the way, I didn't say this at the beginning. If you're not married, okay, and you're like, well, this, what is this whole series for me? Think about your expectations. You bring it into every relationship. So you guys can apply this and just think about the close relationship that you have in your life, whether that's a family member or a friend, okay? Um, and first is to be honest with yourself. You know, what, what are those expectations? Uh, what are the places where you're disappointed? Um, think about the why behind the what in the feelings that you're having come up over and over and over. You know, you, you know what those things are. You know, those things where you're like, man, not this again. Like, we're talking about this again, you know? Uh, that's, that's the red flag that tells you, like, there's something that you guys keep expecting of each other that's not happening. What is it that, that, it, that it stems from? Um, you don't know how to solve a problem until you understand what it is. Uh, also, just to say this, you know, if, if you don't know if your expectations are realistic, it's really a good idea to have a third party or an outside friend who you can bounce ideas off of. Um, talk to them. You know, because they're outside of your situation, 
and they can speak to that and say, yeah, that, that makes sense. Or like, no, Ben, I think, I think that's you, buddy. I think you need to back off a little bit. And, um, and sometimes that, it looks like counseling, guys. It looks like marriage counseling. You know, there are seasons where you may need that. Uh, so we want to encourage you in that place. Um, and second of all, be honest with God. So obviously, God knows what you're facing, but take time out, pray, listen. I mean, I think in our relationship, the times where we've been able to reconcile in areas have always been usually after times of just God kind of meeting with either me or Kim and going, hey, you're, you're wrong in this. You need to come and, and make, make it right. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's such a crucial, I don't know people who aren't married or who aren't Christians who are married, how they make that work. Because for me, God is such a crucial element. Um, and then finally, be honest with your spouse. Now, this is with the disclaimer. Where appropriate. <laughs> Right. You know, ask yourself the question, is this going to be helpful for them to know? They don't need to know everything you're thinking. Uh, Is this going to be something that they can do something about, or is it, you know, unrealistic? Um, And then finally, guys, I just want to throw this out there for for you to be brave. Sit down with your spouse this week and ask them, you know, hey, what do you think I'm expecting too much of you? Like, how am I doing that? Um, Is there somewhere that you feel pressure um, and you know what? You may not know that you're doing it, but your wife or your, your husband is going to quickly tell you <laughs> what that thing is. And, um, and I think that could be very valuable if you're willing to receive it. So we are going to, we actually serve in communion. So Chris is going to come up in a second, but we're going to pray real quick just over the teaching. And then I'll let Chris come and, uh, and do communion for us. So let's pray. Uh, Father God, thank you so much, Lord, for the marriages that are uh, represented in this room today, Uh, for the years, God, that uh, people have decided to say, hey, we're we're in this together, and we're stronger together than we are apart, and Lord, I thank you for that. We want to welcome your presence in every marriage. We want to welcome your life into every marriage. God, we so often as elders and as leaders here, we pray for our, our, our marriages, God, and that's what we want, Lord. We want vibrant, healthy, strong marriages, Lord. And that does take work. Lord, show us those expectations that we have put on one another. Show us, God, where we've made idols of each other and where we need to back back off, where we need to shift our focus. Lord, we ask that you would do real work uh, amongst husbands, real work amongst wives, um, and reveal some things, God, that have been uh, pitfalls over and over and over. Um, and that we could move forward and um, find a new place of grace. And we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.